Hello and welcome to the Poet Delayed Podcast. My name is Scott Edgar and as Jason and I discussed in our last episode about Besieged, we are now going to do a movie review of Elvis by Baz Luhrmann. I came down to Las Vegas last night for the specific purpose to watch this movie with Jason because he and I are huge Elvis fans and uh, we're going to save our review for the very end, we're going to tell you how we, what we thought of it. You know, we're going to tell you how we, how amazing we thought it was till the very end. Um, One thing I need to clarify is, what's our rating scale? Are we doing popcorn buckets? Are we doing stars? Are we doing uh, what, what? What are, what are we doing here? Blue, blue suede shoes. I love it. Blue suede shoes. One, one blue suede shoe. Okay. Two blues. The top is five blue suede shoes. Five blue suede shoes. But then it probably has, should be an even number because feet come in yeah. pairs. <laughs> this is true. Ten. Ten blue suede shoes. Ten blue it's suede shoes. It's a very generous scale. Okay. Yes, it's we've got a lot of a lot to work on. A lot of here. leeway lot of there. Yes. But and no decimals either. Not like no. six and a half no shoes. No half shoes. People, people don't wear half blue suede shoes. No, you wear all. You wear, yeah, wear full blue, blue suede, suede shoes or no blue suede shoes. So excellent. So yeah, we will we will give our rating of how many blue suede shoes this movie got at the end of our episode. But you know, before we get into the movie, we need thought probably so so you understand our expertise, we probably should tell you why I came down to Vegas, why we thought it was so important that we come together. I haven't seen him in over four. I haven't seen Jason over four years. We've talked, of course, but why is it so important that this be the genesis of a reunion for us? Yes. It's Elvis movie. Absolutely. And so, Jason, I'm, I'm going to pass it to you. You tell us about your history with the King. Well, first of all, to to uh, comment on, on on the why. Why are you here? Because this for us is a spiritual experience. This for us is. A monumental uh, pop culture, cinema, music convergence that, quite frankly, is is overdue. And Vegas is our Elvis mecca. And Vegas is Elvis. Yeah, and um, I was thinking that we should probably like circumambulate the theater mm-hmm. before we went in as a homage to Elvis, but. I thought that might take too long. It's a big building, yeah, big building. Not get to, but uh, I had the uh, great opportunity to actually be in that hotel a couple of months ago. I was working a, a dermatology convention. Now you need to clarify which hotel it is. It was the in well now called the Westgate, but about oh, a half dozen names ago, it was the International, hmm. the International Hotel. And what is important about that hotel? And what is really important about that hotel and groundbreaking about that hotel. Groundbreaking. When you think of Vegas, one of the first things you think about is buffets, but also you think about shows, right? And shows really began and really came about because of Elvis Presley. The idea of a long-term residency is part and parcel due to Elvis Presley. And Elvis was the first performer to be on the strip to have a to have a, a, a formal show. wrong because formal long running show. I read a book a few years ago about um, I forget the name of the book. I'll find it, but it was about Elvis. It's about this concept you're just talking about, and it went through the history of entertainment in Vegas from when they first got here, when people first started building stuff, just the entertainment then, and then it talked about the Rat Pack, and it mm-hmm. talked about everybody that came in, and then Elvis comes in and just changes the whole landscape, mm-hmm. and now. And the Rat Pack would come, you know, they would come and go. Yeah. And it'd be there like, was no set. There was no set. No, it was just when they had a break, when they could all come together, they would put on a show at the Sands. And those those were, those were historic shows. Yeah. Absolutely, no doubt For about it. For those who remember them, because everybody was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Always with a, with a cocktail in their hands on stage. But really, Elvis, really, Elvis created the idea of what a Vegas show looks like. What, what a Vegas concert... What a what residency really looks like was uh, as a result of other shows. I think what was the what was the count? What was the number of shows? I can't remember. Eight hundred plus. One hundred seventy. I think it was one hundred seventy-seven sold-out shows. If I'm correct, someone would have to fact-check me on that. But I think it was somewhere in that neighborhood. One hundred seventy-seven 
sold out, consecutive sold out shows, which I believe might still be a Vegas record. I'm not sure. You keep but talking. I'm gonna. You keep talking. I'm gonna fact check this. You fact check that. But so for me, really going back, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my little history of Elvis. Why am I an Elvis fan? Here's this guy that's, uh, you know, 70 years ago making waves. And for me, it really started in high school um, where I was first exposed to Elvis. And ironically, it was through the Honeymoon in Vegas soundtrack. <laughs> I don't know if you all remember that movie. They had the Flying Elvi. But uh, the whole soundtrack was Elvis songs performed by other musicians. And I thought that was cool. I really liked it because some of my favorite musicians were performing some of those songs. And you too did a version of Can't Help Falling in Love on that album. And that was it for me. That just, man, I, I knew I'd heard that song before and I, and I really liked it. But to hear Bono do that and then get into this extremely high, un, you know, unapproachable falsetto singing Can't Help Falling in Love, I was hooked. And I thought, this is so cool, man. This is so cool. And the more I got to know about Elvis, the more I just did, I, 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 the whole package, the image, the music, the voice, all of it is just was was just iconic, and I, I was hooked. Um, and from there, I you know I started buying Elvis CDs, and people thought I was crazy. Here I'm, and I'm a 18 year old kid, and I've got an Elvis CD. What and year was that? That would have been '92, I believe. He'd only been gone for 15 years. Yeah, 15 at that time. That's weird. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and for me. I remember when I was a little kid, probably about five or six years old, it came to my attention that Elvis died in 1977. I was born in 1974. And I remember having this thought like, I could have, I was alive when he was alive. I could have seen him in concert. Of course, there was a lot more to that equation than me being alive when he was alive, you know. But, so I, I liked Elvis. I mean, I, I, I always liked him. And, but I, I never really became a real diehard Elvis fan until I moved here after uh, got back from the Philippines, came here, met you, and we just started. I don't know what it was, but it just it was like almost instant at that point for me though. And there is something about being in Vegas. Um, I've been to Memphis once, and Memphis is cool, but you know what I remember? What I do you had remember? The, I had the Elvis Fifty Greatest Hits double CD mm -hmm. right that I bought. And it's all the standards, you know, it's all right. the songs everybody knows. And I remember you saw that and you said, oh man, I, I want to borrow that. Did I ever give it back to you? I don't think so to this day. You will. God, jeez. Yeah, I'm going to hold you Hey, we're going to wrap up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to go. My flight leaves uh, yeah, but, Saturday. Uh, I remember you borrowed that and, uh, and, and I didn't see it for, yeah, for quite a while. Yeah. But I, so I would take those because I still had a cassette deck in my car. Mm -hmm. So I would take the, the CDs and... No, for those know, of younger, what oh, is a cassette I'm, deck? I apologize. Yes, my bad. Uh, cassette, yeah. I'll put a picture. I'll paint a picture on that. Let's, let's put it this way. The, the worst uh, musical medium probably ever created, uh, records, eight tracks, and CDs were better than cassettes, but cassettes were ultra portable and small mm -hmm. and easy to use. And you could, you know, you could make dubs and copies of yeah. them. So it's super easy. So you would record your friend's tapes. You would record, you could record a CD on your tape and play it in the car. And that's what I did with a lot of my Elvis stuff is just, I'd record it to tape, record the songs I like so I can play them in my car. But yeah, you borrowed that CD, and uh, and uh, that was the end of that. I, the end I, of the CD, yeah, or the end of. I don't know if I ever saw it again, but uh, yeah. but here we are. Now we're talking about it all these years later, and it's it, it's uh, it's super cool. But I too, I remember as a kid, the newspaper my my parents got with announcing Elvis's death. I still remember that, hmm. uh, and just knowing that this guy was he was he was something pretty pretty special. Yeah, and and so. The more I got into his music, man, I, you know, I started out just liking, just listening to the 50s. Because when you think of Elvis, for me, I always thought of the, well, I always thought of the older Elvis. I always thought of him, you know, the big fat, overweight, mm -hmm. yeah, puffy. Sweaty. <laughs> um, jumpsuits. Jumpsuits. And so I always, I always thought of the revolutionary 1955 Elvis, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But the more I started to listen to his music, I started going, inching into the 60s. He's got a lot of soundtrack songs that are really forgettable, but some that are mm -hmm. are like standards for him, Viva Las Vegas. And um, then I started listening to his 70s, which he became more of a crooner. Uh, and 
that music, his 70s music, I mean, they're all cut. Well, not all of them. Some of them were written for him, Suspicious Minds. So that was his late 60s. But he, you know, I've told you, I've got this, I've got this playlist called Elvis Does It Better. Mm-hmm. And I took all these songs that I love that Elvis does, and then I went and found the originals. And I, on this playlist, I have the original song by the original writer or like one of the, uh, some songs are covered by a lot of people. So I just find the most popular other than Elvis's. And then I have Elvis's. And invariably, Elvis, it just, it's not even a comparison. Okay. Except for, I will say this. I think with the Beatles, yes. when he covers a Beatles song, it's, it's a, yes. I don't think he does better. He doesn't yeah. worse, doesn't do worse. Mm. Yeah. So, so that's where I disagree. But you sent me the, the playlist. I remember that yeah. a couple of years ago. And I, man, I love that. I just thought that was, what a great concept of let's see. Because really, Elvis, when I break it down, what I, what I think, what I, what I, what's interesting about our affinity for Elvis, mine at first was more just about, man, he, this guy is so cool. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's got, he sings great. Yep. And he's got this cool image, and he's just, he's the epitome of what's cool. Yeah. Right? And style and flamboyant, just showbiz and just being a star. This is what a star is, right? And you kind of dug a little deeper on the musical side before I did. I was more just, this guy's cool. Very I superficial. You're I very more, superficial. I was, I was your quintessential guy that I knew, you know, the, the 1950s RCA, the 56 plus RCA Elvis, right? Like everybody else. Sure. And, and, and so it took me a, a little bit longer to really dig deep into the music. Um, but getting, getting back to your... Your playlist Elvis does it better. Yeah, I, I would. The Beatles covers were, were not good. I can be honest about it. But his genius, to me, his genius was in interpretation. Right? Oh yeah, he was an interpretive performer. He could. He had a vision for. He could hear some. He could. You could show him a song. A songwriter could could introduce a song to him, and he could. He could know exactly what it needed to sound like because. So many of his covers had been performed, had been recorded yeah. by other artists. Well known. And he records them, and it's like, you wouldn't know it any other way. Yep. It's the only way you'd know it. Yeah, in fact, what, what's, what's interesting to me is, I've, I've, oh, by the way, consecutive shows. What, what number did you say? 177. <laughs> way off. Oh. Way off. Really? Yeah, Over it's, or under? Oh, you're way under. Really? I guess that is it's, a low number. It, it, the, it, the number, like on the plaque in the, uh, the Hilton or whatever yes. it's called now, the West, whatever, Westgate, it says 837. Oh, but Great. apparently the Westgate, when they took over the hotel, they thought it really important to determine if that number is accurate. And they found out that no, it is not. So what they're saying is the actual number is... Uh, much more than 177. Oh, yes. But hold on. Because you'll Just all... Just a bit outside. 636. 636. You know, give or take 500. I mean... Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, are we measuring in millions? I mean, if we're measuring in millions, you're pretty close. Pretty close. But think about what, what's crazy, though, is, you know, even 177 shows, if that was even... That's a lot still. Sold out. For one place. But I think it was 600. That's 36. That's 636. Yeah. Um, so before I interrupted us with that factoid... You were telling me what? Uh, well, we were talking about... Inter- I, I think Elvis is genius. Oh, interpretation. Elvis is genius to me. And yes, oh, yeah. People could have their own opinion on this. But I think people look at Elvis and think, well, he didn't write his own songs. That's true. He didn't. He, did, uh, he does have a couple he, he writing credits. He does have a couple writing credits. They, they were not top 10 hits, put it that way. But, it, you know, and so he kind of gets marginalized. And people talk about all oh, the greatest performance, and it's always people who you know, write their own songs. And trust me, I'm a huge Beatles fan. You won't meet a bigger Beatles fan than me. I mm-hmm. love the Beatles. I, they are religious to me. Not Ringo Starr. Not Ringo. <laughs> uh, I was a Pete Best fan for those people out there. The anyway, be- best of the Beatles. Yes. But it's the Beatles and Elvis, you can't put them in the same box. It's, nah. not, it's not apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. And, and Elvis' the genius was interpretive performance. It was, give me a song. And I'm going to make it sound like something you haven't heard before and probably sound the way people ag- would agree should sound like. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that because you listen to, like one of my favorite songs that he does is, um, why did you ask me this question? I can't remember it now that you asked me. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me get it real quickly. It's, it's, it's uh, one of my absolute favorites 
and I've actually got a playlist of all of other artists who sing it as well. It is Unchained Melody. No, Gentle on My Mind. Ah, and nice. he sing so so uh, so Elvis Elvis singing it. Um, John Hartford's the guy who wrote it, I think. So I got him, Elvis. This is not in my playlist. Not, not in my Elvis does a better playlist, but it's just in a playlist that I've created. And then Engelbert Humperdinck, who I like. I like Engelbert. Great voice. A great, amazing voice. Somebody, Excellent name. Yes. Um, it's long. I mean, it's hard to write out. Mm -hmm. yes. I mean, you've got to start... Imagine at, putting that on the sign. If you you got the sign yeah. guy, I mean, you're out there for hours. Yeah. Can we just call you E. Hump? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if, if you're going to write your name on a line, you've got to start yeah. at the clear left-hand side. Always. I mean, you on. have no room to spare. But anyway, but then, you know who else does a good version of that? Gentle on my mind? Is uh, Aretha Franklin. Mm. It is good. I don't know where else to look that up. She is good. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's his interpretation. And, and even, I mean, that's, that's what Sam Phillips at Sun Records, that's all right, Mama. I mean, that would, he, and, uh, um, he and Scotty Moore and Bill Black, they were just in the recording studio, just between cuts, just goofing around. Yeah. And Sam Phillips, like, whoa, whoa, hit record. That? Hey, do that over, guys. And they jammed it, and that was it. Yeah. You know, that was it. And, uh, you know what's yeah. great about that moment, though, was they were in the studio trying to cut a record that everybody thought they should cut. Mm -hmm. right? They're trying to cut a ballad. Sorry. They're trying to cut uh, something slow, something mm -hmm. you know that everybody expects. And in between the break, when they're off the mic, when they think the mic isn't hot, you know, then they're in there just jamming. They're just they're being themselves. They're being what they they're doing what they want to do. Yep. And it turns into rock and roll. It turns rock into and roll. It, it, it changes everything them just expressing themselves the way they, they wanted to yeah. without unconstrained. That, that to me is what's, what's so cool about that moment is it was unintentional. It was unformulated. It was unplanned. Authentic. Authentic. 100%. Authentic. And so, so the music, we, we've talked about like what we liked about the music. I'll tell you something else. Like Elvis, obviously, I mean, he was very flawed. I mean, he, he, yeah, I mean, I'm, he, he was flawed. He's, he had his problems, to be sure. And I don't think that that's news to anybody. But what I liked is that, like, you hear stories from people who knew him. He was kind, thoughtful. And I was, you know, B.B. King um, is featured in this movie um, as a friend of Elvis's. And I, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's how, how true that is. Because, you know, there's artistic license, of course, in these things. But... And so I was reading about that after the show, and apparently they, they did know each other. And B.B. King made the remark that, you know, Elvis was kind. People liked to be around him. He said, he would call me sir, and I liked that. You know, I mean, he was just respectful to people. And you, so you hear stories about people who meet him and knew him, and that was who he was. I mean, he was just kind. And um, I was telling you this earlier that back in 96, fall of 96, I took a history of rock and roll class mm -hmm. at Community College of Southern Nevada. And the guy who was teaching it, um, he's a, he was a musician who played on the strip. And one of his friends, he told us a story about Elvis. He was a Beatles guy because he, 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 he broke the world down into Beatles fans and Elvis fans. I am... I disagree. Me you, too. You can people, you can be both. Yes, you can like apples and you can like oranges. I like them both. If you, and you can attest to this, what's on my walls, I've got... Equal parts, Beatles posters, Beatles memorabilia, mm -hmm. and Elvis Presley. You, you can be both. Ramones. And Ramones. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So he, but anyway, he was a Beatles guy, but he, he said, had this to say about Elvis. So this friend of his um, knew somebody in Elvis's band. Now, Elvis had a big orchestra in his band. And the story goes that he saw this guy, Elvis did, who he recognized had been with the band for a while. I guess he didn't know his name, but so Elvis goes up to him during a rehearsal and says, hey, you know, I, you know, I see you around here all the time. How long have you been with the band? And the guy said, uh, I've been five years. So, hey, well, I appreciate your, 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 your loyalty and your staying with the band, and, and that was it. Well, that night, they're all getting up on stage, and he was, I don't remember what part of the orchestra he was, but he had a, one of those music stands, you know. He gets up there, there's an, el uh, an envelope on the stand, and he opens it up, and there's five grand, five thousand dollars in 1970s money, um, from Elvis, and just said, "Hey, 
thank you for your service. Here you go. Amazing. So generous. Mm-hmm. You know, just just gener- generous to a fault, really. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this last night. You know, one thing about it, and I mentioned he was he, the loyalty. Mm-hmm. Right? But you made a great point about the fact that Elvis could not be, could not, didn't like being alone. Mm-hmm. And he, he needed the company of other people. He certainly needed the approval of other people. But you made that point. Yeah, he, he needed those people close to him. And he was willing to just bankroll basically a payroll of who, Lord knows how many people. I don't know what his entourage and Memphis Mafia consisted of. It was a lot. But but so generous that way. And and so I think getting back to, to the music part of it, when I started to discover more about the music, when I started to uncover more about the, the music, what I realized about Elvis was what, what Elvis really represents, what he was, was, a, was like a singularity in music. Like it was a convergence of, of all these forces that finally fused together, right? So you had, you, you got this kid that grows up poor in rural Mississippi, um, in a, in a mixed community, right? So he's hearing all this different types of music. Mm-hmm. He's hearing, you know, uh, African-American gospel music. He's hearing white gospel music. White, he's hearing country. He's hearing a little bit of rhythm and blues. He moves to Memphis. Now he's just soaked in the blues. Now he's hearing the blues everywhere he goes. He gets this job where he's driving a truck. He's driving up and down Beale Street. He's hearing this stuff all the time. And now you got a kid who's who's got rhythm, who's got this, I guess, predisposition, proclivity toward this type of music and 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 it's just it's a convergence it's a singularity it's a it's finally the person who can kind of bring this all together and introduce it to the masses mm-hmm. and that's what that's to me is what Elvis represents which essentially is the start of pop music you know, oh yeah because we know it. rock and roll rock and roll is is music your parents aren't necessarily going to listen to right <laughs> because before that even the crooners and these guys Frank Sinatra's whatever your parents were still listening to that, right? It wasn't edgy. It wasn't rebellious. It wasn't yours. But 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 Elvis was something that was uniquely young people's music and uniquely what we would consider pop music today. And it really was the start of that. Yeah, I mean... So let's get into the movie a little bit because, well, first of all, I just want to say that I thought the movie was well-crafted mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, I mean, we talked about this last night that you can't just do this linear story. Elvis is born, you know, he's a twin who dies, and then you just march on through. And I thought that Baz Luhrmann did a, an excellent job of, uh, of telling this early story of Elvis in, in a way that was engaging. Like, I never lost attention. I, I never thought, oh, come on, let's move to the next part. Let's move to the next part. No, it, he was jumping back. Like, you know, you talk about, Growing up in the, in, you know, in the Miss, in, I don't know if he's in Memphis at this age. I don't, I don't remember how old he was when he moved to Memphis. But, but there's that scene where he's in the revival tent, mm-hmm. but then he also shows him peeking through that wall at, at, um, at Arthur, um, Crudup. Arthur Crudup yeah. in there playing. And that, mm, that was good. And then, yeah. and then the, the, just the contrast of those two musical influences mm-hmm. And he's running back and forth to each. And it was like, I found myself just like fascinated by it. And, and, you know, did that really happen? Was it, you know, I, I, I'd be surprised if that, you know, if you had an Arthur Crudup right there and then this right about and he's just bouncing back sure. and forth. I'd be yeah. surprised at that. But, it's a creative license, yeah. Oh, but, but it, it was so, I thought it was just so creative how, like, we need to show the people these influences mm-hmm. and so how better to do that in a quick moment than yeah. he's peeking through watching and the sensual nature of Crudup's music um, what song was he playing? That's Alright Oh that's right that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's Alright that's, that's Alright yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you don't really recognize it at first because it's not how Elvis played it yep. but he's playing that and then there's these, this, uh, these two people dancing it's very sensual mm-hmm. and you see that sensual nature of, of, of this music this blues and you just like this, I, you know, as I was sitting there listening to it, watching him play and watching all this play out, I thought, yeah, this is like a, um, this music, I, I love the blues. Yeah. You know, I, I, it, it brings out like your, it brings out your core. It brings out like. It, you feel, and, and it, I think the, the thing I said last night after the, the show was thinking about country, that country music of that day was music that you enjoyed. Yeah. That you, that you, you know, 
you you could dance to or was was fun and enjoyable, but it wasn't you didn't really it, you didn't feel it, man. It didn't have necessarily really a soul. It 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 but but blues of that time, man, it had us, man, it hit you. Mm. You know, it, it, it talked about it, it really tough times, really yeah. tough situation. And you felt that, and I think that is what resonated with him. And I'll say for the movie, I the way I feel about it is this is this is the Elvis movie that Elvis would have enjoyed watching. That's the way I think about it. it Boz Lorman, I feel like he was the only person that could have made this film to be watchable. Yeah. Because as a documentary or as a you know as some linear life story, it just it's not going to work. I mean, this it, it it needed to be. It needed flair. It needed pizzazz. It needed uh, what what Elvis would want it to be. And in my opinion, it, it was. Were there flaws in it? Sure. Did, did I did I really love the point of the narration from the point of view of Colonel Tom Parker? Not necessarily. I think it would have been more effective to have had uh, Austin Butler narrate it as Elvis, as if like in the third person looking down on his entire life. I, to me, I felt like that would have been more effective. But it worked. It still yeah. worked. Um, and you know, yes, there was some creative license taken in some instances, but I think. The overarching point we take away is he he helped you understand who Ellis was, why he was, who he was, and all those like we talk about all those influences on his life. What I here's how here's how I would describe the, why I liked the way Lerman did it. It's weird to say Boz Lerman with just his last name Lerman sounds like a bug or something. <laughs> Lerman. But here's, here's why I liked it. Because, I mean, Elvis was revolutionary. I mean, we don't... It's hard to get the sense now because you look back at Elvis and be like, what's, what's the uproar? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the uproar? I mean, we've got that... Um, what's that song that one... I'm not getting the song. But anyway, the, 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 everything... Nothing is shocking really anymore. Well, and he's become just an image. He's yes. He's become just a, right. just a kind of an and so, icon image. Right. Of, yeah. And so what I liked that he did in the movie, you couldn't just show what Elvis did and have that like, like okay, that was. His incorporation of like um, kind of the, the modern, um, loud, like the scene when he's in the pink suit, like that, the first Louisiana hayride. There's a part in there where things are getting crazy. And then Boslerman, you see this in the preview, just like this, the screeching, just like, almost like a um, carnal kind of screeching and he's just like going crazy and, and you're like, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, these people are losing their minds. Like, what is going on? This guy is moving his legs, you know? And they're like, I can't believe it. Oh my word, he's moving his legs. Shut him down. But for Elvis, when you, when you listen to his interviews, when you see his, in person off the stage polite guy mm-hmm. well-mannered guy mm-hmm. um, you know not crazy not out of control but man something about getting on that stage for him it was his place it was it was where a complete freedom of expression happened for him and I think he was the first person in music to be to just do it or you know at least to the masses I mean there are plenty of blues performances that were yeah the small you know, groups uh, you know, neighborhood Little Richard some other people that were you know, had crazy, crazy shows, but not everybody was seeing that, and that right. was not put out to the masses. And here's this guy who goes on TV doing all these crazy things, and that's the first time anybody yeah. did that. So, just groundbreaking. And uh, um, but, but, w- but with the film, when it when it comes to we're, we're talking about Boz Lerman, if you're not familiar with Boz Lerman's work, you can go back and look at uh, the Great Piazzi from I don't know what year that was recently. Before uh, this year. Before Sometime this before this year. Yeah, Great Gatsby with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, or Moulin Rouge going going back a little bit further, 2001 I think it was. And then Romeo and Juliet in 96. Juliet, 96. And if you watch any Lerman movie, you get an idea, okay, don't look at this as literal interpretation. Right? It, it's very creative. The whole idea is for you to use your imagination. It's very highly imaginative. But again... I love it because I really think this is the only way that this story can be told in a way that's going to capture an audience and really get get the essence of of this story across. Yeah, I think 
like I'm just in my mind thinking, so what could a movie about Elvis have been made like they made the Johnny Cash Walk the Line or the Ray Charles mm -hmm. or the um, Freddie Mercury or the Elton John. I mean, because right. I've seen, I haven't seen the Freddie Mercury or the Elton John ones. I've seen both of them. Have you? I, I mean, I've seen Walk the Line and I've seen Ray. And the, both, both of those were amazing. Right. And the Freddie Mercury more creative and the, the Elton John way out there, like very imaginative, kind of, kind of, hmm. a, kind of a Lerman-esque Type of treatment. Because Walk the Line was very, uh, I mean, it was, and I loved it. I, I loved it. But I guess maybe the difference, I don't know Ray Charles's music as much, but I know that Johnny Cash was not Elvis. No. Nobody was Elvis. I mean, I, in fact, I remember Johnny Cash used to say that he would look at Elvis and just think, damn. He would look for imperfections on Elvis. And he just like, yeah, I know. And they were friends. Johnny Cash is, you know, Johnny Cash is cool because he said that he never made the mistake of trying to go to Graceland because he said, I didn't want you turned away. You know, because Elvis, they were friends, they were good friends, but Elvis got into it. And you kind of see this in the movie where he, he has mafia, Memphis, or Memphis mafia, you know, and he was just like, he had his people. Almost too insulated. Yes. And so, and that's probably, that's one reason of his downfall. But, um, Johnny Cash, he just said, I never wanted to be turned away, so I didn't make an effort to go up there. Yeah. But they, they ran into each other a couple times, he said, and it was, it was cordial, it was good. Yeah. Well, another aspect of the film, when you think about, was Lerman the right guy to make this, this, this movie? When you, if, if any of you have seen The Great Gatsby, the original Great Gatsby with Robert Redford, um, I think it was made in the late 70s. It's boring. But, uh, it's boring. Okay. I mean, the best part is at the end when he gets the arrow yes. in the back. <laughs> in the pool. Or Jake Gatsby. Um, but yeah, just a, a very pedestrian treatment of... of it's, a literal, it's a literal, literal, literal from, interpretation. Film, yep, good adapted screenplay, uh, you know, and, 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 and checked all the boxes. But just not captivating. Mm -hmm. But just did not make you want to go, I got to read this book. If I haven't read this book, do I now want to go read this book? Right? And in this case... I've never listened to Elvis before. I don't know who Elvis is. Do I now want to go turn on some Elvis, download some Elvis, put some Elvis in my playlist, yeah. go to Apple Music and download the Elvis Essentials? Do I want to do that now? I think after this film, you do. Yeah. And I think after, after The Great Gatsby, the treatment that Lurman gave it, uh, I knew a few people that went right out and got the book. So I think in this case, absolutely, I think he was the right guy to do this. And, and I hope, I hope that some new fans come out of it. Yeah. You know, I saw Moulin Rouge and I wanted to go to Moulin Rouge. Yes. They're in Paris. You know, I wanted to yeah. check. What is this all about? Right. Is it going to be just like that when I go in? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think your point is well taken because, well, and kind of, you know, merging with what I was saying earlier that he was so groundbreaking that this, I think it had to be made in such a, a, um, a loud manner. Mm -hmm to kind of replicate that in a sense like this I mean he shook the world up it was all shook up all shook up <laughs> it was all shook up uh -huh. pun, pun, pun intent uh -huh. Uh -huh. and but I so I think it was and I, I think it was edited well like I said I didn't find it dragging I, I didn't think any of it was dragging mm -hmm. and that first scene when he's in that pink suit and he's at the Louisiana Hayride it's just when he gets up on the stage, you know, because he has that false start in the music, you know, in the song, and then he blows it away, blows and, it away. And, and it's just, I mean, I, had the, I got the chills, you know, just like, look at these people. These people have been listening to Hank Snow. Now they, Hank Snow, didn't he, he just get off the stage? And here comes Elvis, and these people are like, whoa. It's, I, it's it, yeah, it's a, well, it is, it's a, it's a, like singularity, it's a, mm -hmm. it's this, it's this moment in time. And we, you hear things about people who were born to do one thing, right? Yep. I'm a big, I'm a big boxing fan, a big fight fan, and you hear it about Mike Tyson all the time. Mike Tyson was put on this earth to do one thing, and that's like remove heads from bodies, pretty much. That's just yeah. about it. Um, but I think there are people you can point to that say, man, that's what this person is here to do. That's it. Like they, there was no question. And, and that's Elvis, like getting on that stage and doing what he did is exactly 
what he was supposed to do. Yeah, he, we talked about this last night. I mean, he wasn't the only white kid running around Memphis, but so he had, he, I guess the word singularity. So I want any of you listening, I want you to count how many times you've said singularity because that's our, that's our word of the day. I am no physicist. Ding, 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 it. ding. Um, but he, so, but he had that, like he had something in him that could take what he heard, synthesize it and then express it, you know, cause there are a lot of people who are hearing it, mm-hmm. but they, Plus, here, I think this too, is he was open to it. He didn't have, he didn't have, we'll just say, he didn't have a musical prejudice. He, he felt it and it, and it was, and he, and he appreciated it. And he, in fact, I was reading, I was reading that, you know, he said, I didn't invent this. This has been around before me. Mm-hmm. I just that's what I did. You know, I was asked to sing a song and come up and I'm singing it. Now, you guys are bringing this to me. You know, you making me into this. I didn't do this. This isn't my music. And, but, so there's a lot of, a, a lot of, it just, he heard it, he appreciated it, he was open to it. And, interestingly, you can tie this to the poem that we read that we talked about, besieged, really. Mm. I mean, Here's a guy that when he saw these possibilities coming at him, he threw open the gate, pushed the walls down, said, everyone come in. I yeah. want to see what you've got. I mean, this was a person who just welcomed all of these influences and, and didn't you know, try to, to filter them out or try to uh, pare them down or, or reshape them in any way. He just he absorbed all of them. He took them all in. Well, he interpreted them in his own way. In his own way, yes, but he didn't... He, wasn't shy about expressing them. He wasn't mm-hmm. shy about it. He didn't, he didn't mince anything. He didn't edit. He didn't censor. Even though they he, tried to make him do it. Even though they tried to make him do it. Yeah. And some people will say, well, what about the 60s? Well, yeah. So then we get into And again, now this is where we all, do, we, every Elvis fan diverges, right? And I will, I will be the first to tell you, uh, for those of you, if you are curious now if you're going to be curious about Elvis I personally highly recommend there's a, an album called Sunrise I highly recommend um, I'm a huge fan and again when I started out I was all it was just the RCA stuff everyone knows it's the Heartbreak Hotel and the Don't Be Cruel and all this but those early Sun recordings are the those are the essence mm-hmm. the, uh, the germination of what Elvis it, it was and it was all about the music did you say German nation I think well, he did go to Germany in the army, so no. But that was the German nation of German the '60s. Nation, yes, of the because 60s. he came back and he came back. Yeah. So the '60s era, as you'll see in the film, is sort of a little bit stained, a little bit marred by Colonel Clambake's assistant. <laughs> Clambake, anyone? Uh, yeah, the movies. I mean, let's talk about the movies. They, on the whole, I think mostly were not great. Made a lot of money initially. They made a lot of the soundtracks, did very, very well. So he recorded some good songs. He recorded a lot of throwaways um, in the 60s, but the, it's you know certainly not to be dismissed. Mm-mm. But the, 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 you know, and then we get into the comeback special, and that's where he reclaims the music. He gets back to his roots. I remember my dad telling me when he watched that 68 special that he just thought he's back. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, People thought he was washed up, yeah. you know, because it's interesting to look back now. Because I look back now, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand that gap in Elvis. But apparently, he was just off making movies. Musically, kind of irrelevant. Done. Yeah. Irrelevant. And then the sixty, because I don't, I don't understand that. But the sixty-eight brought him back, mm-hmm. and then Vegas, and well, you, you know, he went to a lot of tours. The the satellite concert from Hawaii yeah. broadcast and. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Mu- music- musically, the, the landscape had shifted so much. And that's, when I imagine it, when I envision it, I kind of have this, I guess, this vision of it, right? Think, imagine a door, a double door, and there's just a, a crowd of people behind it, and the door won't open, and suddenly this guy comes and he kicks the, both doors open. He's the first to walk through, but then everybody just pours in. And that's the way kind of I see Elvis was. 
He changed music forever, but music changed so quickly and so rapidly after that mm -hmm. that, you know, how long would he have been musically relevant even without the movies? I don't know. I, who knows? I mean, by the time the 68 comeback special, the Beatles were in full swing. Yeah. I mean, Sgt. Peppers had come out. Um, you'd had full, you'd been through full That's rock. 13 years Bob after. You'd been through um, all, of, all of this transformation in music. That's thir so Sgt. Peppers... That's 13 years? Was that 68? When, 67. When it, okay, that's 12 years after That's All Right Mama. Mm -hmm. 12 years. That's all. That's nothing. Nothing. That's like, that's like Justin Bieber's uh, Baby Baby song right. to now. Right. Something like that. Yeah. There's not much change since then. Not much change. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Elvis, I don't know, I know people like to critique him saying that he stole music. And, I mean, yeah, it wasn't his. I mean, he, he took it and he interpreted it, and I, you know, what do you say, you know? Well, country, country music has, is still that way to some extent. Country music is still kind of the lone holdout of other people writing songs for performers. Uh -huh. um, there's not as much of it anymore. There's, there's certainly a lot more people writing their own songs, but that still exists to some extent. Yeah. Um, it certainly exists in the, in the pop music world with, you know... Um, High production and all of that kind yeah. of thing, but um, no, I I I, I say, it, you know, he was an interpretive, a genius interpretive performer. Yeah, and and again, he was so good that the songs that he performed are the really the only way you know that song. Yeah, and that to me is the the, the mark of of a, a absolute just seminal performer and and, and, and a musical genius of that particular. Uh, frame. You know what's fun though is to go back and find the songs from those other performers, like Little Richard. Little Richard. I mean, it, what's cool is you can you can go you can springboard from Elvis and then you can discover this other just rich musical heritage. Mm -hmm. Like Little Richard was like uh, his he was he was brilliant. Yeah. Chuck Berry. Dynamo. Brilliant. Oh. Fats yeah. Domino. Brilliant. I mean. Um, Chuck Berry, the father of hard rock. When yeah. The guitar mm -hmm. rock really was, that's Chuck Berry. Hey, Chuck, Chuck, it's your cousin, Marvin Berry. Who? <laughs> Marvin Berry. Um, Name the movie. Back to the Future. Good job, yeah. good job. Martin McFly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of fun to, because that music that he was playing was, I mean, he, it wasn't just the blues that he was taking. I mean, he was taking old country standards. Mm -hmm. Um what, what one were we talking about earlier? Blue Moon in Kentucky. Blue Moon in Kentucky. That was just some slow ballad, you know? A little bluegrass ballad. Yeah, bluegrass. Oh, there you go. Um, and he made it rock. Yeah. And then he took, he took uh, uh, what's a, a country one? I think it was Good Rock and Tonight. Was a, I think it was a country song that he, he amped up and made it. It just, it sounds like rockabilly. And really, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, the genre rockabilly is it's kind of hard to define, and who was rockabilly? It's it's debatable, but really, that's kind of what that sound ended up being. Yeah, but it is fun to go back and find these old. Because I did that once, and I just kind of started on a path. And this is what I love about like nowadays. You don't have to go buy a bunch of CDs. No. You can just get on and just start following on a trail back, mm -hmm. you know. And like I, I, that's how I found Sun House, the great blues. Yeah, I mean his music is, oh, I love it, man. You want to just. You want to just close your eyes and you just want to feel? Mm -hmm. Put on some Sun House. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, Elvis introduced that to... The masses. The masses. And so, yeah, as, so as a performer, fabulous. Um, as a husband, not so fabulous, maybe. <laughs> sure. As a dad, apparently, yeah. you know, he loved his little daughter. And um, as a friend, good, good friend, um, Let's talk real quickly. So let's talk about the different characters. So you said that people are born to do one thing. Some people are born to do one thing. Now, Tom Hanks, I know that he was born, not, not, he was not born to play uh, Colonel Tom Parker. No, I would agree with that. I just saw Colonel Tom Hanks the whole time. <laughs> yes. Even with all his googly yes. makeup, I just thought, um, no, it's... it's, it, it, it's Well, Tom Hanks is always Tom Hanks. Kind of no matter who he plays, he's always Tom Hanks. But usually those roles fit. You know who he is and his, his kind of the tone of his voice mm -hmm. and all of that. It, it, he's not terribly great at accents, but he's great. He's a great actor. Um, but in this role, no, I was I wasn't wasn't thrilled with his casting. I think though that he 
he's a big, as you know, he's a big music buff and a big musicist. Like he did that thing you do. Yeah, was, you know, was, was a movie. So I think he, I think he had something to do with this being made. Which, if that's the case, hey, you want to play Tom Parker? Uh, you're hired, buddy. I mean, mm-hmm. You're going to help to to push this out and make this project happen and get this story out. Then you can play whoever you want, except yeah. Elvis. Except Elvis. Yeah. Probably not his mom either. Because the lady who the lady who played his mom looked just like his mom. Dead ringer. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, His dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did good. But what was interesting about his dad in the movie, and I and I wonder how well his dad was just a poor guy. And then Colonel Tom Parker made him the business manager. He didn't know. I had no idea what he's doing, I'm sure. No so I don't know how true, I don't know how authentic his representation was, but I, I'm sure that in reality, he, his dad, he was in no position to be no. managing Elvis. No. You know, so that was... I think it was another way for Tom Parker to control yep. things. And, and Somebody who he can control. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought the lady who played Priscilla, she was, I mean, uh, it was, she was good, but it's not like I thought, wow. You know, it was she was she just kind of got in there, did her part, moved on. Um, Let's talk about Austin Butler. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I, you look, and I don't say this. I don't. I'm not. I do. This is. I'm not joking. I'm not. This is not comedy. Oscar worthy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not being facetious. Oscar worthy. Like just fun, incredible performance. So believable. So utterly believable. Uh, I, I, I I can't imagine. And I'm sure for this year in film, I'm sure there will be other performances that will be very artistic or whatever. But man, to be able to nail an iconic figure like that. That everybody knows. That everybody knows. Around the world. In addition to really delivering, really knocking it out in the performance itself. Not just being a good imitator, but really bringing that that soul of who Elvis was. uh, Just just unbelievable performance. Because what, what I... I mean, you... Elvis has a very distinct voice. Mm-hmm. People know his voice. The look is his style, his look, and his dancing. Uh, that's what I thought was so astounding. Was like I've watched a lot of what I can't sleep at night. A lot of times I'll just pull up YouTube and watch Elvis concert footage, mm-hmm. like especially when he was do, playing um, the international. Like it, it, a couple of my favorites videos to watch. He has this extended version of uh, suspended. Uh, um, Suspicious, Suspicious minds. minds, where he kind of, you think it's over, and he brings it back up and it gets going again. Yeah. And they, they did that in this film. And, I mean, I've watched that so many times, and I'm pretty familiar with how Elvis does it. It was, it was like scene for scene. It was just like, what are you, it's in, insane. And then the other one was uh, uh, Polk Salad Annie, which is one of my favorite songs of Elvis's. And again, there's a video of him performing it and they did it. And there's, there's a scene in, like on the YouTube, he's singing, and then I think it's Polk Salad Annie, and he sticks the microphone in his mouth, and pulls it right back out. They did it in the movie here. It was just spot it, on, spot on in, in, in the way he was moving and everything, and, um, and the voice. He sang a lot of the tracks, mm-hmm. and it sounded like Elvis. Close your eyes, it's it Elvis. It, absolutely. Did. You, you almost, in some of those, like, I didn't know. Was that like a live Elvis performance or was that Austin Butler? I it wasn't a live Elvis because Elvis died in 77. So it wasn't a live Elvis performance. That's true. But, it could um, be complicated. Yeah. 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 But, well, anyway. But it was good. Yeah. Bottom line. It's great. Look, I mean, and disclaimer, and we should have given a disclaimer in the beginning, but I, I think it's I think it's pretty obvious we're, we're biased. Yes, we are biased. However, mm-hmm. what I, I wasn't looking at this as am I going to love this film so much as do I feel like it was done the best way possible? Yeah. Do I feel like it was executed in the, in the most, you know, correct way that's going to represent who Elvis was, what he was about. And I, that's to me is the most important thing. Um, and for me, absolutely. It, it, it delivered. Well, unlike you, I wrote this review before I saw the movie. Because I wanted, to, I wanted to nail the review. Nail the review. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the movie was done so well. And just the pace was good. The acting was good. And I didn't like Tom Hanks, but you know what? It didn't, 
it wasn't enough to where it killed the movie. Right. And really Austin Butler was just mind-blowing. And I liked the way that Baz Luhrmann built up the pieces. Like when he did the 68 special, I love how he put that together. It just, the way he put it together... You, you kind of start feeling like this is going to be good. It's, it's, it's this crescendo. Yes. And he does that. And there was so many, same thing with the Louisiana Hayride. It was, right. There was a crescendo yes. to it. You yeah. know, and in so many movies, you feel the crescendo. Ah, uh, what? what? It's not, it's done. It's and over, I, you know? And I love the, the, the kind of, the, the, the point that he was making there was that, that building the tension between, mm-hmm. during the comeback special, this tension of, Okay, there's this one side of Elvis that uh, Colonel Tom and, and these, 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 you know, enterprising people that just, it's all about the image. It's all mm-hmm. about selling things. It's all about Elvis as a commodity. Commodity. And then, and then the other side, you've got Elvis and a couple of key producer guys who are like, no, it's about the music. It's about the music. Music. And that was what was cool was, was when Elvis realized, you know what, I've done all these movies, I've done all these soundtracks, I've done all these things, what, all the merchandise. I've got to get back to who I am. I've got to get back to who I am. Who are you, Elvis? Not who I am. It's about the music. I gotta get back. It's not doing Christmas shows. <laughs> How many times can you sing Here Comes Santa Claus? <laughs> so that that was, I think that was a, a well done part of the movie. Whether historically accurate or not, how accurate that was, I don't know. But I, again, Lerman finding ways to send that message that he's being torn between these two worlds of him just as a commodity and him as a, this, this is who I am. It's what makes me happy is, is music. And so, so I would say to people who go see it, don't go wanting to watch a documentary. No. You're not going to see a documentary. There's going to be some artistic license. A lot. And it is, and if you go in that sense, it's an, I mean, if you don't, even if you don't know who about, let's say Elvis was a fictitious character. I think the movie's a great movie. Sure. You know, very entertaining. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I want to say this, and then we'll, and then we'll give our blue suede, blue suede shoe ratings. Um, the ending. I'm not going to give it away. He does die. He does? Yes. Oh, yeah. Did you fall asleep in that part? Absolutely not. Yeah. They don't show him dying, though, which I'm glad. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. No, but the way they ended, I mean, those of you, like, those of you who know me, especially my family, you've watched the uh, Unchained Melody, the version of Unchained Melody that Elvis plays like two months before he dies in Ohio or Indiana or something like that. He's at the piano. It is a very emotional song. And, and Elvis, his voice is there, his charisma, he's smiling. Despite all his bigness, fatness, yeah, yeah. Weight, he's... Heft. Heft. He's still up there in a sequined jumpsuit. I mean, he's, it's almost like, you know what? This is for you guys. I, I don't want to, you know, I like, look at me. But you want, you want me, I'm here, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he's there and his voice is powerful. It's just, it's an amazing performance. And that's how the movie ends. I'm going to leave it at that. So Austin Butler is, I'm just going to leave it at that and let you guys go see it. Unless you want to ruin it for him. Do you want to, look like you want to have. All I want to say is this. I think that moment. There's an old there's an old saying right that uh, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. You have to say it again. Yeah, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And that was his. That was just he let it all go right mm. there. That was his his one moment. Like I'm gonna give you everything I have, and you're you're getting all of me here. And I just uh, I thought that exactly you 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 summed it up. Yeah, it's amazing. So, listen, um, I'm going to say go see it, everybody, and it's worth seeing on the big screen. Now, as I've been thinking about this, when we give it a blue suede shoe rating, we we went with a a 10 scale because it's got to be even. So does that mean we have to give it even rating? Like it can't be 9 or a 7? Oh, no, it can be 9 or 8. It just can't be a half shoe. There's no half blue suede shoes. Okay, but you can have like... Nine, and then sure. someone just has one shoe on. This is true. But really, I mean, if you really think about it, we're not talking about people really having shoes. This is just a rating. It's just a rating. Okay. It'd be like stars. Or, or oh, or that makes more, so much more sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just like stars. Yeah, just like stars. Oh, okay. Thumbs. Yeah. 
Thumbs, right? Oh. I give it two thumbs up. Well, I give it four thumbs up. Okay, all right. I have four thumbs. Well, but if I did. If I did, I would. I would. I would. Yeah. Makes more sense. Oh, okay. So much more sense. You're a good co-host. Appreciate well, I'm sorry. A guest. Guest. I. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's get, make that very yes. very clear. I will not be on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what the feedback You're is. You're welcome. We'll see what the feedback is. Um, all right. So I'm gonna let you go first. How me? many blue suede shoes? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, you're the host of the show. You get to make the rules. Okay. The guest goes first. Okay. Appreciate that. I am giving this film because I'm and I'm going to be honest here, folks. Okay, I'm going to be very honest here. I give this film eight blue suede shoes. Okay. Now I know that I, as an as an absolute biased Elvis fan, I should have given it nine. If I could give it a half shoe, I would give it a nine and a half shoes. But I want to be honest. I want to be to be uh, truthful about the film. There were some flaws. There were some things that. Just did, I didn't. I wasn't thrilled about. It. I wasn't thrilled about the, the Tom Parker narration. I wasn't thrilled about Tom Hanks as Tom Parker. You know, there were some aspects of, of the the um, the storytelling, the the uh, the pace and the uh, structure that weren't always you know aligned and congruent. And there was certainly a lot of creative license, a ton of creative license. But again. In this particular film, and the way that it needed to be made, it, it had to be done that way. I don't think there's any other way that you could do that. So, if I look at it this way, there probably was not ever going to be an Elvis movie made, an Elvis film made, ever. Again. And I am, I, I, I mean, I am thrilled and, and grateful. My hat's off to Baz Luhrmann for having this made and whoever uh, the other uh, folks involved, producers, people to make this happen. I'm just thrilled about that, and, and eight out of ten blue suede shoes, I think, is a pretty dang good score. Um, it ain't? I think so. Bad. You know, but I'm being honest, folks. Again, so I encourage you to go see the film, um, and more importantly, I encourage you to to do a little dive. You know, put on some elves. Um, learn a little bit about why and 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 how he became who he was. Um. Thanks. So I, I'm actually giving it eight blue suede shoes as well. And I thought of that wow. before you said it. I did not expect that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a firm 10. No, no, because that would be dishonest. Um, because of Tom Hanks. Yeah. That's, I mean, you gave a lot of reasons. Mine's just Tom Hanks. Um, That's good enough. And you know what? Like I said earlier, it's, it's not enough to not go... I mean, it's still a fabulous movie. I do want a couple points, a couple things, though. First of all, we forgot to mention that I'm, when I was younger, I thought I could have gone to an Elvis concert, you know, because I was alive and he was alive. Mm -hmm. But we forgot to mention that Jason and I went to an Elvis concert oh, in Las Vegas. Elvis by Trent. Trent Carlini. And may he rest in may peace. He, rest in peace. he yes. passed away a couple years ago. Yes. And uh, it was a great show. We got a picture with him afterwards. After the show. I had him sign a card or something that said Elvis by Trent. By Trent. And uh, so we've been to an Elvis concert. We have, indeed. Yeah. One last thing, though. I th let's do this. This might be interesting. Okay, so who, who do you know that... So Elvis Presley has been played by Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. He's been played by Val Kilmer. Mm -hmm. He's been played by uh, um, Austin Butler. Uh, who else has played Elvis? I don't know. I've seen a few other, you know, kind of lower budget or lower distribution oh, documentaries. Oh, Bubba Hotep. So oh, Bruce, 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 Campbell. Bruce Campbell played okay, so Elvis. Bruce, well, we know Bruce, Bruce Campbell's a huge Elvis. Fan. Yeah, well, he played Elvis. He so played Elvis, yeah. Who else? Um, that's all I can think because there's been some lesser-known actors who they've cast that look like Elvis. I'm trying to, there was a movie, I think, called Elvis in, in Memphis or something. I don't remember. All right, so those four big ones. That's all we know. That's all I know. Is that four that I listed? Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, best Elvis. Of those Elvis? Yes, of these and, Elvis. And we're including we're, Austin Butler. Yes, best of the best of these Elvi, which is the best? Um, including Austin Butler. Know, that's tough. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm talking about realistic, like not interpretation, right, not, right, not right. like some can fanciful Tim Burton. Can I, I know. I loved Val Kilmer in True Romance. Mm -hmm. So great. And even though you hardly see it. Yeah. Um, I love Bruce Campbell. Yep. I mean, he's Bruce, Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead, Darmian. I'm glad you're saying this, just in case they're listening. In case they're 
uh, and, uh, and, and who was the, who's the, oh, Kurt Russell, come mm -hmm. on, man, what a great, just fun, just mm -hmm. trumped up and fun, right? But no, of course, Austin Butler yeah. nailed it. Nailed yeah. It. You know, and the other guys were, I think, having fun with the role because they know there's no way you can't play that straight. They were no interpreting it. They were interpreting it in like Bubba Hotep. Yeah. That's just a, a, a farcical, spoofy show. Right. And it's Elvis in a rest home. Yep. Because he didn't really, he didn't die. Right. You know, it's a great show. If you <laughs> haven't seen show. Bubba Hotep, go see yeah. Bubba Hotep. Plus Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Great everything. Yeah. Everything. All right. Well, um, so that's our review of Elvis. Mm -hmm. And I second Jason in suggesting that you go see it and that you put on some Elvis. And if you're interested, shoot me an email asking for my Elvis Did It Better playlist and I will figure out how to get it to you. It's on Apple Music, so if you have a, a non-Apple phone, sorry, but you can make your own probably. But uh, yeah, shoot me an email saying, hey, send me your Elvis Did It Better playlist and I'll figure out how to do it. So anyway, Thank you. Um, hey, this has been a blast, man. It has been a blast. Bonus episode. Bonus episode. So, all right. Um, that's all right, Mama. That's all right with you.